Hello and welcome to a new episode of LedgerCast. We are live today. Uh, I'm here, as you can see, with uh, Josh Olsiewicz. Hey, Josh. What up? It's great to have you back, man. <laughs> Just watching the, the live stream. It's weird because there's a delay, obviously. But uh, yeah, it's, it's good to be back, Brian. Yeah, you just got to turn that live stream off. So we're uh, playing around right now with live streaming the show, and then this will also hit the uh, podcast as well. Uh, but we are both on video today. We're going to do some news and market analysis like we normally do. Uh, and then we may trim some of this down for the actual podcast. But uh, I'm excited to to talk to you again and um, playing with some fun new software today, dinking around. So I hope people are patient with us and uh, give us some confirmation that everything sounds good, looks good, that kind of thing. But besides all that, what you uh, what you been doing in the market, man? It's been a couple of weeks since we've chatted. Uh, you've been doing some market analysis on Brave New Coin, um, but let's get the the lowdown from from Carpe Noctum. Is the is the bottom in? I mean, I think so. You know, here's the thing: I don't like to brag about my analysis because I just <laughs> the bragging comes with like earning the money from trading, right? But um, last week, two weeks ago, week and a half ago, ten days ago, whatever it is. Like there, there was an article on Brave New Coin on ETH that was like, this is the bottom. This is the reversal point right here. This is the inflection. And that's what happened. So I'm not surprised. Like my P&L isn't surprised. Um, P&L bought, isn't surprised. A little humble brag action there. I bought, uh, bought Spot at that price. I was not on leverage at that price, which is fine. But I caught some leverage, uh, like the $100, $120, something like that. On the move, which is really all you need if you're on leverage. Like, you don't need yeah. to go super crazy with things. Just lock it in. We're not yeah. at a point yet where there's a clear trend one way or the other. We're definitely, like, still in intermediary phases, I think. Yeah. I've, uh, I think we were relatively on the same page, like, cautiously optimistic that we weren't going to revisit lower lows mm-hmm. um, below 6K. That wasn't a popular trend. At the time, I mean, we were obviously counter trading the trend by doing that, and it wasn't a capitulation wick like it was the last time we went down to six thousand. So I think everybody freaked out that, um, you know, like we need that capitulation. We got to hit forty nine hundred or something like that. Um, but it seemed clear enough to me, or at least the risk reward was good enough that, yeah, like you said, if your margin is low enough, if you protect yourself, whatever, that that shouldn't have. Shouldn't have happened. So we've had a nice run up since then. And today um, we're getting to the point where uh, we're seeing some corrections off that run. So mm-hmm. now we're asking ourselves again, um, you know, is this alt season? Uh, everybody's, of course, hardly talking about Bitcoin. It's just like <laughs> as soon as alts show life, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a question of, you know, when when are we going to be on the moon? Yeah. I've already seen 100% yeah. uh, increases on a lot of altcoins. Do you have thoughts about um, about that and how uh, Bitcoin's moves? We've seen some uh, we've seen seen some violent activity today. How you think that'll affect these uh, the hopium on the alt market? Yeah, I was on the Crypto Street Pod last night, and we were talking about alt oh, really? season. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about alt season. I was like, you know what? That's like so triggering for me because it's a bunch of pikers, people with like fifty bucks who are like trying to ten x on Tron or something, uh, TRX. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it looks things look good. 
usually Ethereum leads the alts, right? So if Ethereum is bottoming, everything else tends to be bottoming at the same time. And uh, somebody was posting some correlation where things are really highly correlated right now. So everything's sort of moving together. I don't think that's going to last forever, uh, but it makes sense right now that, you know, everything was down 70 plus percent. So even like Bitcoin gold, Bcash, all that stuff is bouncing. Yeah. And, and well, yeah, most of that stuff's up like over 70%. Like EOS is up um, like a hundred and something EOS, percent. On, EOS over is the making past, all time highs. Yeah. Over the past couple of days. So it's like people are freaking out over this, this uh, drop, but it's like, uh, <laughs> like things don't go straight up or straight down. They go up and down all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so what we should see here uh, at a minimum are some higher lows on altcoins if we're going to maintain the trend, if we don't fall fully back into accumulation phases. Uh, personally, I've been a little surprised. Like to me, the accumulation period was too quick. Like it was, we really didn't bounce around in any kind of bottomy rectangle type of uh, formations on altcoins for more than a few weeks. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was, that was surprising to me. Um, but nevertheless, we are, uh, we're here, we're at a point of resistance. I hedged a little too quick and cost myself some money doing it. Like you never want to hedge, be right and lose money anyway in the hedge because you did it too soon or with Mm -hmm. too much or too high of leverage, whatever it is. And that's basically what I did. So I escaped, um, I escaped the altcoin ledges or ledges, uh, hedges that I did, um, but, you know, I lost a little money along the way and I had a little cash on the sidelines to be able to buy things today. And I had been consistently taking profits like we were hitting those 40, 50 percent gains on altcoins and I was taking yeah, profits on those. Exactly. So that was good. You can't you can't uh, just see that happen and then do nothing like we aren't there yet where it's just um, like we said, like a definite trend. Like obviously the low time frames very clear that we're breaking like the hourly broke the hourly cloud on pretty much everything. And it's just like trending broke the six hour cloud on most of this stuff. But yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. It's not a buy and hold situation in my opinion for most everything right now. Um, unless you're on Bitcoin. Like we're going to go to 14, 13 K. The trajectory will not be a straight line, which is what we're seeing right now. Mm-hmm. And I was telling people with the daily cloud, like, yes, it's an edge to edge, but uh, like you said, with the alts, it's too soon. Essentially. It's like, it's like uh cooking, eggs or something it's like let it set for a little bit <laughs> you know let your omelet set up before you take it out of the pan uh, <laughs> so what i'm waiting for is that bullish tk cross to uh sort of give a the next signal that it, we're okay to go up on but the, it, it, on the daily time frame yeah on the daily uh cloud specifically for bitcoin um, but it is the first time since january 16th that we're above the the key june which is massive that's a yeah. huge, huge level we broke right there. Yeah, we obviously have uh, reversal signs in place. Um, you know, we broke above the uh, Kijun today. We we did a real nice, um, nice engulfing uh, move below. Uh, we engulf so far today. We've engulfed everything that we saw yesterday, uh, which can be a little scary. Um, my suspicion would be that uh, we should rally above, back above the Kijun for the daily close. I'm not sure if you can see my screen. Um, I might need to to share it in uh, Skype, but uh, no, I can't. I can see it. But on the, YouTube, but... yeah, the live stream should see it. 
Um, and I think this will be this daily view will be something to watch um, to see how we close today. Like we really don't want to engulf that night, really nice daily candle we had yesterday uh, with a, a bearish version of it today. Um, and then we'll see if we can, you know, get that TK across like you were talking about. Um, is there, is there anything in particular that you've been doing in terms of, um, trying to decide like, Hey, here's what my stop's going to be for, uh, you mentioned off of leverage, but off of spot, or are you basically, um, are you long on spot and you don't intend to change that? Or is there like a turning point where you say, okay, well, if we go below 8,000, you know, I'm going to protect myself in cash or that kind of thing. Yeah, for spot, I'm set with the the buys I have. Like I'm, you know, they were I, I have something at like six sixty seven hundred or something that was a spot buy. So I'm not too concerned about any of that at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I'll ever. I don't. I won't. I won't take any off the table of that in the interim future for sure. Again, we're we're going to thirteen k. I'm, yeah. I'm rarely this <laughs> confident that we're that we're gonna do anything, but when you see this Adam Eve setup, this giant Adam Eve setup, um, and this edge to edge thing, like we this this cloud move on the daily is not uh frequent. It's super rare. So yeah, yeah. this is not investment advice, but super rare that we get the opportunity to do like an edge to edge move like that, you mean? Yeah, and it's a massive it, yeah, it can fail, it can go sideways until the cloud goes to nothing and turns bullish but uh, it's like it's like the weekly on uh, when we were hitting like 500 all over again like mm-hmm. we might get we might get a giant ascending triangle that takes like 200 days to pan out here i don't think that'll happen but uh but that's yeah. a possibility but even then that's still a bullish continuation uh so i'm not worried about it yeah what are your thoughts about this being a 2014 style setup where we hit the uh, 13,000, 14,000 even, the and, and then we die. We do the the long and slow death, um, like the the big bull trap from 2014. I think we've already like debunked that, haven't we? The 2014 thing. Um, because in, well, in that the fundamental the fundamental basis is completely different. Yeah, I mean the fundamentals are it's like night and day on two different planets, basically. But um, the uh, any pop up we get, everyone's saying like, "Oh, this is a bull trap," right? Like you were saying uh, on Twitter the other day, you, yeah. you had something about you got bull, bear traps and my bull traps that are bear traps or whatever. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Every so, every move is a trap for something. Right. So. Uh, I don't know. Like, I don't honestly don't care because it's just so different uh, in the chart. Yeah, we can go to 600, whatever. But uh, I don't really see that panning out uh, the way it did in 2014. Yeah. You know, I uh, I want to believe with you. I do. I just part of me thinks that uh, we're in for a long period of of large chop. And I feel like that's a cop out. Um, but I do feel, I do think that what we, anything below the lows we've made, and this is a pretty sufficient double bottom. Um, Mm -hmm. so anything below that, I really feel like is more unlikely. Um, it's hard for me to believe we can go to three K. I know we can. Um, but it's hard for me to believe that that's 
that's uh, a realistic expectation with the fundamental market that we have today. I mean, just today we had NASDAQ saying they're open to being a crypto exchange, you know, like uh, that would, that is so bullish. It's insane. Well, you can't look um, at the profits that these exchanges are making and not, and ignore it. Like you can't be an exchange with the capability of being an exchange and ignore crypto anymore. You're just, yeah. you're, it's a bad business decision at this point. Like you, you need to be able to capture some of that uh, market share for sure. I think the demand yeah. is clearly there. Yeah. And so to me, it's like, I feel like we still need to um, chill before we go make all time highs. Like I know you're, you're still on the handle with the 33 K by July. Um, <laughs> let me, let me, let me caveat that. Let yeah. Caveat a, that for put us. A, put a whatever pinpoint asterisks on that. The only reason that trajectory remains intact is because of that pitchfork. Um, if that pitchfork dies, you know, if we, if we uh, close out of that pitchfork, then that dream is over. Um, but as long as we're there, the median of the trend is 26 to 30 K, something like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm not like backing out on my 33 K. I think we're going to hit it. It might not be July, but uh, I think we'll hit it this year for sure. Um, I'm very curious to see if that happens. Uh, <laughs> I like your face. There. You're like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I want to see. I, I want to see it more so, just for the fact uh, that there are so many people telling me it can't happen. <laughs> like, yeah, just the hater, the hater, the fuel. Yeah, you got to have it. Um, yeah, you know, I don't want to say it can't happen. We went 17x last year, so what's to stop us from, um, you know, two or three x in this year? Yeah. I'm not I'm not trying to say it can't happen. I'm just a big part of me thinks that that you have to have a significant reset period after a move like we had in December and January. And I equate alts with that too. I mean, we so t- I pulled Is this not a significant reset period though? It has been. I mean, it's been several months of it's been a uh, whole quarter. Pain pain and suffering. Uh, I'm not So th- my point is not for that of recovery. Like I think we can recover because if we did that for three or four months, but maybe we need another three or four months of, uh, of, you know, painful chop to get people scared in both directions and whatnot. And maybe test the all time high or test 14 K and then run back down and, you know, really just get people messed up. It seems like that would make, uh, people that are seeking liquidity pretty happy is if we, range around in a $5,000 zone or so. And that daily cloud's pretty big. That gives us at least a month or so uh, oh, yeah. to be able to r- run around in the cloud. Yeah, I mean, um, people, people see that and I say ADE and they think like it's going to go in one straight line, but that's, it rarely happens with Bitcoin on that high a time frame. It happens with alts all the time. Mm-hmm. So it looks like, it looks like the, you know, the edge edge is being predicted and you're waiting to get in, waiting to get in. And then it just does it in like an hour. Um, but that's alts for you. Yeah. So I want to talk about alts. I pulled up the uh, Ethereum chart. We've also got some fundamental Ethereum questions uh, in the chat. So first off, uh, from a cloud perspective or just horizontal support and resistance perspective, uh, Ethereum went up and put a shooting star above the uh, above the Keijin on the BTC pair and could not 
get into the daily cloud and got rejected off of it in a, in a big way uh, mm-hmm. today uh, with the with the Bitcoin dump, Ethereum dumped too. Um, but that's good. That's what you expect to see. Like this is, I say this all the time, but this is what the cloud is telling you should happen. So like, I'm not surprised. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think, it, I don't think you are either, but no, uh, I don't think we're done with this run though. Um, I don't think Ethereum just goes and, and dies off here. We do have a cloud uh, twist. The um, I don't know anybody who was really talked about these cloud twists being uh, low resistance zones before you. So I'll credit you for it. Um, but we could, I think we could run around here under the cloud until until this twist and maybe make a, a bigger move for Ethereum um, on the dollar chart. It's also got a possible edge to edge play that ends up around eight hundred and eighty dollars and eight 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 maybe. Yeah. So to read, me it seems again you gotta like that sorry, you gotta read that Brave New Coin article that came out today. I did. Okay. Hey, you gave sorry, people you ahead. gave people you you put the six hundred dollar dip on a platter. I did. I did. If you some, know, I actually, if somebody I finished that article like uh yesterday, like uh seven o'clock Eastern or something. Um but at least the charts are timestamps, so so it doesn't look like I'm calling dips like after the dips happen, you know. Anyway, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, I keep interrupting. No, I just, that's fine. I was just gonna say. Uh, t- to me, it seems like Ethereum could reset. You know, it uh, hit the upper bound on RSI. Um, it painted. Some, there were some pretty nice bear divs on the middle time frames for Ethereum BTC, uh, but it seems like the dollar pair definitely has room to to grow for Ethereum and. If this alt run or whatever is going to continue a bit, then we can uh, we can probably keep moving. However, there are some fundamental factors that are at play. The biggest of which is this question about Ethereum as a security and Andreessen Horowitz and other uh, interested parties lobbying the government, basically trying to say it's too distributed now to be a security, etc. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I talked about that a little bit in the article too. Um, I don't know what to think, honestly. Uh, it depends on their lobbying power, but it doesn't look good. <laughs> yeah, uh, the Jay Clayton guy, the SEC, he uh, has both said that all ICOs he's seen are securities, and it has also sort of implied that Ethereum uh, is not a security because I don't know because reasons. Like he didn't. I don't. I didn't find any reasons specifically. Um, why he deemed it not a security, but uh, he so he's I don't know like they just need to make a statement about it or a law or whatever like again just just like taxes like it's it's not clear uh, right I think to I think to most people it's it's classified as a security just because what would you feel what would you feel what what do you feel that would be the broader market effect uh, if it's deemed a security like if someone comes out outright says this is a security you know surely we would see exchanges be delisting ethereum <laughs> yeah i mean and that's every, all ethereum pairs that's to me that's a mountain gox sized event almost you know like at least for the the midterm that would be catastrophic yeah and we were talking about this months back when we were seeing exchanges listing icos that were clearly securities um and we were saying that uh the government agencies, regulatory bodies aren't going to go after these individual rinky dink ICOs. They're going to go after the exchanges because that's, that's the the money shot. Right. 
because they can just, you know, close the exchange and the secondary market is just cut off instantly uh, yeah. or find the exchange or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I don't think like Ethereum directly will be impacted in that regard. Uh, it'll just be a complete uh, apocalypse on the, the exchanges. Yeah, that would. Uh, that'd be a tough debt to buy for me. So, <laughs> well, it's not like, again, it's like Ethereum. It's like, uh, you know, all this news about Bitcoin until the pro- core protocol, uh, I don't like using the word core, but until the protocol is you is affected, like it doesn't matter. Ethereum's a little different, but, uh, in regard to that, it's the same concept in my, in the way I think about it. Yeah. It does seem like we're on a path to where, uh, we do call a spade a spade to some degree. And, um, I, I listened to, I can't remember her name. She works at uh, the Dig- well, Lara Shin was interviewing uh, Melt, Melt, what's, what's uh, Meltem, Meltem Demirs. Yeah, Meltem yeah. Demir. Yeah. And so Lara was asking Meltem whether she felt that there were going to be fewer ICOs. And she mentioned that they were actively encouraging there to be fewer ICOs. So, where they weren't actually using that type of event for their uh, fundraising mechanism so that more more of the, I guess you would say, like highly legitimate projects are moving mm-hmm. towards private rounds only and then right. to get public interest to do these airdrops and other things that help them prevent themselves from being a security. And then using those private funds, whether it's venture capital that's raised or um, you know private token sales to accredited investors and whatnot, uh, using that to essentially fund the product development. Um, so it seems like these types of uh, sales are going to be less and less available to your to your retail audience, mm-hmm. which I imagine will also appease the SEC a good bit, uh, at least in the states. And it seems like Europe might be headed on that track as well to to try to clamp down a bit on on retailers uh, being involved in this stuff. So. Um, what interests me in that is what happens to the ones that are already out. Like what happens to your file coins and, you know, your Tezos and those types that raised a ton of money and they, they did it in a way that the SEC at least would cl- probably classify as security. What happens on those types of projects? I mean, my, in my heart of hearts, I hope they all get slammed because I think they're all just, <laughs> just a joke. Um, like I, I don't have the knowledge to discern whether or not these projects are legitimate businesses or just, uh, straight up, uh, crowds funding like scams. Like I, I don't know. Um, it's like Tezos. I, I don't honestly don't know what's going on with Tezos. Um, I'm not invested in any of them, so it helps that I can sit back and watch, watch the uh, world burn in that respect. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of people that are invested in in Tezos and others yeah. that don't like hearing this. Um, I think it's inevitable that at least somebody ha- is probably going to be made an example of in my mind. Um, and probably whichever one has like the sleaziest workarounds to try to just abide by the, the letter of the law, but not the intent, if you will. And, you know, in my mind, Tezos is a great candidate for that. Like the way they structured their legalese, like give us money and you don't deserve anything but a tote bag. This was a gift to fund the development of this network, et cetera. And, the fallout they had in my mind, that would be a great candidate if there was going to be one that people go after, uh, to possibly go after. 
Yeah, I'm no securities lawyer, but it's, with, yeah. I would certainly have a Neither sour taste. <laughs> yeah. Certainly have a sour it, taste in my mouth reading the, the, the PR garbage they spew out. And, uh, and yeah. you, there's only so much people can take before <laughs> something's going to happen. You know, the, the, the straw that breaks the camel's back or whatever. Yeah, and I think one of the things, too, that surprises me is... Um, you know, people are saying, oh, well, we're, we're registered in, in, um, you know, some island off mm-hmm. of, uh, off of Europe or. Oh, it's like you know, EOS being registered in Cayman or. Yeah. Or in the, or in the Caribbean or whatever. And, yeah. um, like that's good enough, but, right. uh, there's a long arm, uh, <laughs> for, for the American legal system, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, the European one too. If they, if the EU especially decides to, to crack down and, and get fancy. Um, and for me, like something like that could be a scenario where, uh, maybe Bitcoin handles it fairly well, but the altcoin market could just get absolutely crushed. Um, or maybe it's all fun. Like maybe we're going to see trillions of dollars digging into this whole ecosystem. But I just, part of me just thinks like we, we are not currently seeing the, the one, the products that are going to be the long lasting ones. Like maybe some of these, uh, will have a a long-term footprint, but I think the risks on that side of things are greater than the risks on Bitcoin fundamentally right now. Um, well, I feel like the, the ICOs with the smallest raises actually have a shot because they're trying to work towards something where, I mean, people have said this already tons of times, but Again, I keep bringing up Tezos, but you can't raise that much money and then do nothing, obviously. But at the same time, you're not uh, maybe motivated as much as you would be otherwise. I mean, you're certainly motivated because you don't want to go to jail for securities fraud. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but again, they could just they can uh, anybody can raise money and have a failed business and say like this was legitimate. We tried, right? Right. And and it's hard to know like what was a legitimate uh, effort versus what wasn't. Mm-hmm. So uh, when you raise that amount of money, I, again, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. So let's, let's dig into it a little bit from the perspective of exchanges. I mean, you've been pretty open on this podcast about not being, not being all in on, on uh, Binance, mm-hmm. um, that you're skeptical yet. They're absolutely commanding in terms of altcoin volume for mm-hmm. uh at least western country traders and um they are listing all sorts of stuff you know it doesn't seem like they're doing any they're doing any significant review in terms of the types of coins they list whereas uh Bitrex has come out and really pretty strongly talked about how they're uh doing thorough reviews on you know whether the organizations are legitimate whether they have products whether they believe their security get their lawyers involved and they've also publicly stated that they don't charge for their listings but it's based on yeah. on merit um and there seems to be Bitrex a said they don't pay for listings Bitrex Bitrex said they don't charge I'm pretty uh, sure they do but anyway go ahead Yeah well that's what, just what I read so I don't know maybe we need All some right. we need some uh some support on that. Um, (laughs) But anyway, Binance, however, it's like the worst secret ever that they charge absolutely boatloads of money to get on their exchange. um, Uh Unless you get some sort of like community based listing. Um, 
Well, if you were in exchange, what would you do? There's a million trillion ICOs. Like, yeah, literally you're everybody. Charge. If you go into any of these Telegram groups, you know, uh, and the ones where they haven't really listed anywhere yet, like the question is always like, when Binance? <laughs> you know, like, what yeah. are we gonna? Uh, and and who wouldn't want to be there? And, yeah, and I've said this before too. Like, screw development on a, on anything. Just get it listed on somewhere. That's all people really care about. Which just speaks to the. Just absolute scam level of all this ICO stuff. It's like we don't care about development or, you know, real business partnerships or anything. We just care about getting listed places, right? Yeah. Are, is there anything that you do think is, um, uh, looks good as an altcoin aside from, uh, you know, I think both of us are widely known for being bullish on uh decentralized exchanges we talked about zrx a ton mm-hmm. but like do you think there's any other projects out there that look like they're doing good things from a fundamental perspective well it's easy to get listed uh relatively speaking uh versus like creating a business so mm-hmm. again i'm not like i'm not the person to evaluate these things but businesses take time to develop um like this ico i was involved with Xperty. It's like they have a product, they have a business, they have a whole team of people. Uh, it just takes time for things to happen. Yeah. Um, but as far as like sectors that are interesting, um, I was talking to Derek when he was here in Baltimore about uh, stable coins. And he sort of uh, illuminated me to the possibilities there, but I haven't really looked into them as much as I'd like. Um, yeah, I've talked. So uh, Josh is talking about uh, Derek Walchak, who... Derek does some of the interviews with me whenever we interview a a team or something. And he's um, an accredited investor that's doing a lot of investing in, in projects and private sales and whatnot. And yeah, he and I have talked a lot about stable coins and uh, we've got an interview that's been recorded for a few weeks. So we haven't put out yet, but it's with yet another one of these stable coin teams. And a lot of these projects have really interesting uh, setups. So the, the base, I, I, and I agree with Derek for why I think stable coins make sense. So one reason is uh, if you have two tokens, well, one is there's a there's a market just to be be better than Tether, and I actually don't think Tether's mm-hmm. that bad, but there's mm-hmm. enough, uh, you know, there's enough fud and salt and whatever else that uh, there's definitely a market for either competing with or replacing Tether. Uh, but there's also this idea that sometimes you want um, you know, blockchain-based contracts that need a stable uh, peg for to enable the contract. So, like, if you say, mm-hmm. "Well, I'm paying 10 BTC for something," uh, well, that's fine in the fake world. But like, if I'm doing, if I'm buying a house or something with that, then the there's, it's such a drastic change in terms of the value since Bitcoin alone is not particularly pegged. I wouldn't even do that. Like people wouldn't even do that with gold. Like you wouldn't say like, well, I'm buying this house for like 17 bars of gold or whatever. Um, And so there's this need for stability or a pegged currency. And what a lot of the projects are doing is they're creating one token that's a peg and another token that's like a share token. And that way as the pegged token or as the, the stable coin gains adoption, it increases the value of the share coin. And that's where speculation occurs. And that's where investors can make money. So um, there's all sorts of projects, but the MakerDAO, the mm-hmm. uh, Basis is what was formerly Basecoin. Haven, uh, Fragments is the one that we have an interview with the the guy that uh, or is the CEO of that one. And um, 
you know, I think they're really interesting. I think that's definitely a demand area for crypto. Uh, I think some of them have incredibly high expectations, like the famous, relatively famously, the basis one. Um, you know, they have these comments where it's like, uh, well, here's what our coin will be worth if we become the world reserve currency. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, good luck. Let's start with getting a working product or whatever. Yeah. Right, right. Um, anyway, so, you know, there are other projects too that uh, have been working a long time on on products. I think you and I are both really interested in what EOS is doing from a product <laughs> and uh, and price situation. Um I don't know of a whole lot of altcoins that have tackled their all-time highs. Do you? Uh, not really. Yeah. I, I mean, I personally don't. Um, I mean, so EOS, I wanted, the thing with EOS is it's a, like an interesting inflection point where they're starting to get an actual product possibly. Yeah. So if it works in some regard, like it'll be great. It'll be bullish. Uh, if it's a complete flop, uh, they're just going to say we're working on it and it's in beta or whatever, you know, but uh, I don't think the market will take that. Yeah, it seems to me, though, that they are. Uh, they've got some serious. Uh, manpower, I guess, in order to actually get the product live. I mean, Dan Larimer's released blockchains before, so it's not like they, they can release a blockchain like that's not the hard part for them, I don't think. Um, it seems to me that the hard part is to truly be able to show that they can create one that is scalable, that it can beat Ethereum because they're trying to come in and, and turn Ethereum into Netscape, you know? I mean, uh, yeah, but it's a hundred percent hype at this point. It's that's all because it it's is. not, because it's not alive, but right. I do think that there's evidence that it's the real deal. Personally, as much as I may dislike the way they did their token sale and the way they've done their, uh, corporate setup and whatnot, they've got, based on my understanding, like dozens and dozens of full time developers. And apparently they have a billion dollar venture fund. Yeah, um, somebody did tell me about that. To support the development of dApps on their platform. Mm-hmm. So instead of uh, people that want to build something on EOS going and doing an ICO, they're saying, well, we'll just fund you to build your product and we'll give you money. Uh, to build on the EOS platform instead of Ethereum. And to me, that's an incredible developer incentive. Like I mentioned that to a friend of mine. He was like, wait, where? Like, where do I go to apply? Like, I want to I wanna get some of that EOS money and I'll build something on, on EOS instead of instead of Ethereum. And, um, and if it well, can it's bring... It's funny though, they're using the, the Ethereum funds to pay for development on EOS. <laughs> like, it's just really funny. Well, sure, why not? I mean, Ethereum's a great ICO platform. Right. Yeah. No, no, but I'm just saying, like, it's just a weird, like, loop, you know? Like, oh, yeah, we're gonna, absolutely. We're going to raise money with Ethereum so our EOS token increases in value so that we can uh, pay people to, to do stuff. Like, it makes sense. Like, like, it's not a bad idea, but I'm just, just yeah. weird. And really, all of them have, uh, all of them have kind of gone that route, haven't they? Where they, um, yeah, but EOS is just the most, like, uh, incriminating example but the most egregious example of uh you know collecting 2.6 billion or whatever in ethereum and then like yeah we're gonna kill ethereum like okay the amount of money they've raised has been staggering and what's most fascinating to me about all of these projects is they raised some number of ethereum or whatever and then a lot of them they in dollars it's so much more valuable than that so their war chests now are Mm -hmm. uh 
relative to the increase in price of Ethereum. And even if you account, like, I don't think very many of them sold uh, Ethereum above $1,000. At least I was, again, uh, referencing that Laura Shin interview with uh, Meltem. Mm-hmm. She was apparently advising their portfolio companies, like, y'all need to unload some Ethereum oh, while yeah. it's 1200 1400 bucks, And yeah. when it was tanking to 500 or whatever, under 500 they were calling and been like, and were like, oh, we didn't do it. Should we do it now? <laughs> and like... And we saw appara- that, though. Apparently saw people... That, yeah, yeah. Apparently people EOS that run these projects... Apparently, the yeah, apparently they're not very good traders. Uh, no. <laughs> you know, if you need consulting and you have a billion dollars, I will consult you on good times to sell your Ethereum. <laughs> if you if you want to if you want to hit me up, I'm available. Um, I could at least at least help you dollar cost average out of your out of your ICO buy. I will do it for a small fee, um, relative to what you raised. Anyway, so I, I actually do think. Um, I want to get your feedback on this. I think uh, EOS could actually have like one of those mind melting Ethereum style runs based on some of the stuff that they're doing and launching their network and creating hype oh. cycles. Um, so that's one I'm looking out for, even though it looks extremely expensive to me right now. Um, I'm, I'm going to be keeping an eye on, on that one from a fundamental perspective. And as much as we just were talking about how, uh, you know, Binance is uh <laughs> interesting in terms of how they're how they're doing some some of their business practices uh fundamentally they've got a ton going for them they have talked about burning company profits into the into their own token um and what was that token they just added? they listed and then there was some like scam thing with it um, oh that was i don't know what that was called but it was the one that floyd mayweather uh and someone else, Paris Hilton. Yeah. Okay. It was, it was, that was just a straight up scheme, some kind of, um, some kind of scheme that got shut down and, uh, Binance had listed it. So they, they delisted it pretty quickly. But they not only listed this, this one I'm talking about, but they also promoted it by saying like, if you, uh, if you trade in it, if there's volume, then you, uh, it might've been Centra. Um, We'll give you like basically if you bring liquidity to this to this product, we will give you a, a reward, you know. Mm. Um, so they were like leading the lambs to slaughter, maybe unknowingly, but <laughs> well, they that's do what they did, right. They do competitions in order to yeah, esta- yeah. help establish liquidity. So I guess if you pay them a million dollars, you get listed, and you pay them two million dollars, you get like a competition. Like Storm had that. Yeah. Um, part of what turned that. Uh, created that huge storm run was some kind of competition. I think I don't really know. I don't follow their community that closely. I do know that it seems at least from the outside, their communication is fantastic. Um, the way they, you know, they're such a massive target right now. And anytime they have some kind of issue come up they're they're commuting that communicating that pretty effectively in my opinion. And then also they, uh, um, you know, they're going this potentially going this route of being a decentralized exchange and somehow combining that with the with the centralized exchange. So um I've got this one on watch, uh similar to, to, to potentially do the same thing we're seeing with, with EOS right now, where it kind of re tackles that all time high. It failed it before. To me, it's a fairly convincing uh cup and handle continuation pattern right now. Um so if we breach eighteen K or whatever it is up there. Uh, I think this could have a nice run off of that. Uh, I don't know if you have followed at all the little 100x trading competition that I've been doing. 
Um, I have not sadly. Okay, That's, you should, man. Those are some <laughs> of my best. Those are some of my best trades since we started with a relatively small amount. Well, you got um, lucky because the, the market bailed out your your positions, right? No, screw that, man. We started this in the bear market. It was so hard. <laughs> right. Like you started it when it was a bear market, but um, the markets turned around, right? Yeah, they turned around. But we made some, I've made some decent trades in there too. Um, I'm not like shitting on your positions or anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, right now, my biggest position is this, uh, is this little um, BNB play. I think I've got about 70%. This little ditty here. This little ditty right here. Yeah. Uh, I've got about 70% in in Binance because it was like I'd I'd been taking profits off those big runs and uh-huh. everything was pumped, everything was over like 80 on the RSI and Binance had had this drawdown and it was uh it just seemed like it might weather a a downturn a little better to me if uh if Bitcoin got rejected and altcoins got rejected and then also had uh ZRX um which had already kind of tackled that daily cloud, so it felt seemed like it had some support under it in the case of a drop. So uh, we'll see how those go, but that's kind of what I'm looking at in terms of altcoins. Like a lot of these, their daily RSIs, even like certainly their low time frame daily RSIs are like seventy to eighty or higher. And to me, it seems like they need to reset for a couple of days, and then we'll find out if we have continuation of this of this run or if uh, or if it was a short lived alts party. Um, there was a very, very good, in my opinion, Twitter thread. I'm not sure if you saw it, where this guy did an analysis of past alt seasons and and talked about how typically they've been fueled by a run up in Bitcoin value, and then mm-hmm. um, once they were so depressed and so down and like whatever in the dumps, uh, the money made in in Bitcoin then fueled the alts rally. Right. Uh, so his theory was that basically altcoins need to chill longer this is a nice little test run but the the conclusion from that would be take your profits enjoy it put them back in bitcoin if bitcoin has this move to 14,000 um if it does that quickly in any way that could probably that could keep alts down in the dumps for a little while longer get them back to accumulation zones and then maybe fuel an, another alts rally from there um i know i'm not i mean that makes sense to me because yeah you know, Bitcoin had that crazy run, then it would go sideways and then alts would, would do their thing or, uh, yeah. So that makes sense to me. So again, it's weird to see everything moving together. I don't think that's going to last forever. I think last year it did so in like March and then Uh then stopped. And then there, there was a couple of months of, uh, you know, alts pain again. And then in the summer, um, again, when Bitcoin was going down, a lot of alts had rallies, um, as those profits, you know, fueled back into at least particular alts. So I think it's one of those ones where you got to be nimble. I mean, surely if you, if you just, if you got great pricing on your altcoins, you got the bottom of these accumulation channels and those channels hold, then you can probably hold it through the ups and downs and, and do fine. My strategy has been to trade a little more actively on them to try to capture my, uh, my 30% and my 40%. And, you know, it's not a 10 X, it's not a Lambo on one trade. Um, but I'm, I'm trying to increase my Bitcoin and go from there. So that's been my strategy. Are you trading any alts at all? Uh, yeah, I was in and out of ADA. Um, oh yeah, I forgot you had that position. I sold that one way too quick. (laughs) Um, what else was I in? EOS, CRX. Look, there are, there are a few things that are certain in life, death, taxes, and, uh, ZRX being listed on Coinbase. Okay. (laughs) 
This is not, yeah. <laughs> this is not investment advice, but uh, it might take 13 years to happen, but it's going to happen. So I think I've, I think I've got my ZRX of 2018. Um, so in 2017, I was so bullish on ZRX. Like I bought it, I, I couldn't get the ICO, but I bought it on day one on Liqui. And then it had these huge fluctuations where some of the people that had the coin sold it. So I had a good price on it, not the, not the bottom. Um, but mm-hmm. I survived most of the ZRX bleed. Uh, a coin that has had a big bleed um, that I think has similarly interesting fundamental qualities is uh, Poly, the Poly <laughs> chain, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I know you had a little bit of that. Um, I did. Anyway, so I've, I've been buying that uh in in this 5k region and i it's one where i just kind of have it intending to hold it see what happens for a while so i'm putting it on the podcast that's my crx for 2018 the thing about poly is i I agree with you it looks like it's bottomed um the things i hear internally about them that aren't public are worrisome (laughs) which is why i wasn't like I wasn't shedding any tears when I finally sold it to pay for taxes, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it on Josh, paper it looks like a Josh, great idea. You are not you are not supposed to spread fun <laughs> yeah. on about I'm not spreading my fun. bag. I'm just saying, like I'm an honest person. I'm going to be honest. Like that's uh, that's what it was. Um, what it is, you know, mm-hmm. that's the way it be, bro. Um, I uh, I was trying to get rid of it on KuCoin. Uh, I I. I got out at some of it and like a wick at like 12, 12 K sats or something before like just jump, just dumped. Mm-hmm. Um, I just need to learn, like I just need to market sell this stuff and not, not hope that the, the bits and asks get fold. Like just like if it's an ICO and you don't have that much of it, just market sell it. You know, that's just, that's just my own advice for myself. But yeah, there's a lot of power to market selling. I think, um, uh just get getting rid of it you you slip have a little slippage and whatnot but you know like you said i mostly agree with you there i've become more drawn to market selling i just redrew my triangle so that it doesn't look like it failed it um, <laughs> <laughs> but to me this one's still in the accumulation zone what i've what the, the bitrex chart really doesn't show the history um but it's you mentioned 1200 sats or something so that's uh, a 2x from here but it's one of those ones I just yeah, I mean, let it sit it, for a while. It it completely just dropped off the table after uh, my failed attempt to get out completely. Yeah. Um. So you mentioned taxes. Why don't we uh Why don't we finish on that and talk about what we there was there was discussion about whether uh whether tax stuff was real or not real, um whether it was an effect on the market. Tax tax season in the U.S. is done now. Um, my well, it's opinion, done. It, it's done if you paid your taxes on time, right? You can still yeah. defer. <laughs> if, if you filed an extension like I did, then you still have. Yeah, to I mean, pay. still alive, but still, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but at least, at least we did the calculations roughly to uh, to know w- what the pain is going to be. You know, yeah. Um, at least that's what I did. So, is your thought that that was that was a real effect on the market? It seems to be to me every everybody that I talk to that has traded significantly in 2017, um, you know, they did the calculations and it was it was going to be painful. So yeah. to me, at least in the in my real life, it has seemed quite relevant. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think it was relevant enough to affect pricing so that that was 
part of what we saw there with those sell-offs is people having to liquidate uh, their crypto assets in order to pay taxes? Uh, yeah, I mean, I wasn't prepared, clearly, and uh, it surprised the hell out of me. <laughs> uh, mainly because I, I held back on trade, like getting in and out of certain positions, knowing that taxes were going to be high in 2017. Same. Yeah, um, me too. Like, I didn't sell what I should have because I knew taxes were just going to be so outrageous. Um, yeah, I, I, correlation isn't causation, but it's hard to ignore the fact that, uh, you know, taxes were Q1, and then as soon as Q1 is over, we just like reverse. Uh, I don't know. Like it, yeah. It's, it seems really uh, suspicious to not connect the two. Yeah. I, I definitely think it, it, it was part of it. I'm not sure about the narrative of saying like, Oh, well now it's April 17th. It's time to pump, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah, as yeah, an yeah. exact, as an exact decision point. But I'm sure a year from now or, you know, six months from now, people will like, put a vertical line be like, that's when taxes were due. That's when the market turned like, yeah, nailed I mean, it. it. It's, uh, it wasn't a sole factor, but I think it was definitely a contributing factor, you know? Yeah. Um, so one more, one more n- note. There was a, uh, you got blocked by this guy on Twitter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I said, honestly. Like, he just saw Thomas, too many, Thomas too Lee, many retweets you- of, the Ichimoku cloud and he was like I don't want to see this anymore you know he might have been uh, I called him my spirit animal and I think he, uh, got confused. he took, took that the wrong way maybe I, honestly I don't know uh, uh, I forget his name right now can you tell me Thomas Lee Thomas fun, Le- Tom Lee fun, yeah fun so Tom suit, yeah. Tom Lee um, I don't know anything about him he's a suit uh, <laughs> he he's got a fund he uh, he did a survey of um what would you call them? Like traditional market investors. investors. Yeah. And he, uh, he asked them, one of the questions was, is the bottom in? Um, and was it 70 or 80%? It was high. It was at least, 70. yeah, I think it was 70% said the bottom is in. Uh, and I, I commented, uh, on Twitter to that, that I don't know if, um, if that makes me bullish or bearish, you know, like, to me, it seems like one, what incentive, what incentive do they have to be truthful in that answer? Like maybe they have a position right now, but they don't think the bottom is in. Um, or, or maybe, maybe it is like, to me, the biggest thing about this, about saying, okay, the bottom is in is whenever someone talked about how the, the precise bottom of 57, 5,800, whatever it was that, that it wicked down to, that was like exactly a hundred billion dollars or something. And that's the kind of the minimum for a lot of funds to be able to play in the ecosystems. Um, so I hold on to that as my, uh, that's why it was the bottom fundamental incentive. Um, but I, I thought it was curious. I thought it was interesting that so many, so many traditional investors at least replied in a survey that they felt the bottom was in. Um, and then you combine that with George Soros getting involved in crypto. He said he was he said he was getting involved, which means surely he's already got his fills. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, a lot of these big guys are in, I think. Yeah. And uh, then uh, Goldman Sachs said they hired a trader. I don't remember his name. Um, but Justin about, Schmidt. Yeah, about 150 people on Twitter changed their name to Justin Justin Schmidt. Um, so they <laughs> they've got their they've got their crypto desk over at Goldman Sachs. They bought Circle. Um, so in general, I do. I, I personally think that they, we have plenty of bullish sentiment fundamentally 
to be able to spur on some uh, some price action markup, um, get the disbelief going. We still got some bears out there crying pretty hard. When you and I were bullish six yeah. to seven k, um, people were were shorting literally everything. Like any any pump was being shorted. Um, I think that that's plenty of good opportunity because you still probably have active shorts off of eleven point eight ish that double top Mm -hmm. i would i would imagine there's some active shorts that uh you can find liquidity if you will uh above 11.8 so it makes a lot of sense as a target for me that's why i'm personally maintaining my bullish stance um i don't know how altcoins will play into all of that but uh I'm, i'm playing both i'm feeling pretty good about the market what about you any any final thoughts uh i'm feeling good about the market too i mean i'm not Definitely less concerned than I was uh, a few weeks ago, that's for sure. Somebody was asking earlier in the pot about uh, taking profits, like what levels you should take profits. Um, I think you can so you can go down to like the hourly and look at these consolidation versus explosion periods, or impulsion periods, whatever you want to call them, and just do, do FIB extensions and take profit at the 1.618 of every single consolidation from mm. like from breakout point to high. Um, and you should be good. I mean, that looking at the hourly on uh, like EOS or whatever, that would have got you out at uh, fine profit. Um, so that's one way to do it. Another way to do it is just use like fractal stops on uh, like four hour. I wouldn't go too, too low, but uh, four hours is usually pretty good. Yeah. I think that's good advice. And uh, finally, I guess, well, we'll have time to talk about it, but. Uh, we're going to have some news incentives coming up over the next month as we come into consensus. You went last year. Mm -hmm. You'll be there this year. Mm -hmm. I hope you wear as much uh, crypto swag at consensus (laughs) as you have on right now. I got to rep my niche, bro. I got, uh, (laughs) you know, people send me free stuff. I got to wear it, right? Yeah. yeah. Bitstamp, shout out to them with their sick, sick logo. Their new logo that's probably going to change when they get acquired by whoever they're getting acquired by uh, currently. JP Morgan. Yeah. What are they getting acquired? <laughs> is that a rumor or is that well, uh, just a presumption? It's been a rumor for a long time. And uh, there was recently some other story that just came out like today or yesterday about uh, this company, Nevon, trying to buy mm. them. Interesting. Um, yeah. And then there's other company, Blockchain Shop. I think it's .com. Blockchainshop.com. Send me, send me a free hoodie. So I got to talk about them. Uh, cool uh well you'll be there we'll do some coverage of that uh derek's gonna be there i'm not i'm uncertain i still want to get there but i'm probably not gonna be there what if we did a live podcast from consensus look i need uh (laughs) to give me a a media ticket i don't want to pay 3500 to get in there yeah yeah i hear you i'm too cheap man that's that's uh that's almost half a bitcoin right yeah anyway We'll see. Um, but yeah, you and Derek will be there. So mm-hmm. some some friends of ledgerstatus.com will be there. Where can people keep <laughs> up with you, Josh? Uh, Twitter just hit over 100K somehow. People like what I say, I guess. Congrats. Um, did you get, a, did cool. you get a, a golden medal from Twitter.com? Did they send you anything? No, nobody cares. Nothing. Um, life didn't change? No, life, life, uh, life goes on, as they say. Uh, Twitter, YouTube, Brave New Coin, here. Excellent. Yeah, I don't know. It's pretty much Make it, sure right? y'all uh, 
Click like. Let us know if you liked the streaming format of this. We wanted it to be as accurate as possible, pricing-wise. We've been pumping while we're on the show, so that's nice. Um, my positions appreciate it. My son bought the dip because he's a professional trader. He's better than me, that's for sure. Um, all right. Go to ledgerstatus.com to subscribe, get notifications, all that kind of stuff. Like us on YouTube. Give us a rating in iTunes. We got to compete with all of these other crypto podcasts out there. I don't know what that's they're That's a thinking. crowded space these it's days. Getting, Everybody's doing Getting to be a crowded space. Crypto podcast. Yeah, that's okay. That just means uh, there's people listening. So appreciate y'all being yeah. here and we'll catch you next time. Thanks. Monuments crumble.